Hello and welcome to one of our podcasts. We are Two Old Chuffs, A Tale of Two Hospices. I'm Tamsin Thomas. And I'm Gina Stone. And we're actually quite irregular these days, aren't we, Gina? <laughs> Speak for yourself, Tamsin. <laughs> yes, sorry about that. Um, the reason being, of course, that we're living through these most extraordinary times where... Uh, Everything has turned upside down in our world, quite literally, hasn't it? And so what we were hoping to do, which was every two weeks chat to someone, it's all been thrown out of the window. Um, And here we are trying to just catch up with folk. And our excuse to do that is Hospice Care Week. And we're recording this podcast as part of our challenge to bring hospice care to you in a different way. So our theme at Cornwall Hospice Care this year is... We have the time to dot, dot, dot. Because what we want to show you is how the specialism of hospice care allows us to do things that perhaps couldn't be done in another healthcare setting. And before I get myself tied in knots, explain more, Gina. I think it is. I I think we often say to families, you know, they ask us what makes a difference. And um, I remember saying to, to lots of people that it's the opportunity of giving you some time and making the most of that time that's left, and also having the time to explain things, which often our colleagues in other settings are very busy. Um, and you know, we do pride ourselves very much in the hospice world at being able to answer some of those difficult questions and having the time and going at the pace of the people that need the answers. So, I think it's a really, really good um, strapline for hospice care week this year. And so what we're doing is we are trying to come up with second halves to yeah. that line. And every day we're using it as an excuse to talk about the different things we have time to do. And today we're dwelling on we have the time to care for each other, which I think is a very interesting concept because it is a privilege to work in the, the world of, of hospice care, whether you are on the front line or not. Because there is a different ethos, I think, um, and a different commitment to everything, which is why today our guest is Elaine Potter. And Elaine works at St Julia's Hospice. What's your title? Hi, Tamsin. Um, My title is Senior Staff Nurse here at St Julia's. Or or you sometimes, or you who hasn't got anything else to do. That's the one, yeah. Or or nurse. (laughs) Yeah, nurse. Brilliant. (laughs) Well, the reason I wanted to, or we wanted to chat to you, was because you have a passion that I think shines out of you, but you are also interested in the people around you, not just the patients, and and maybe, you know, we'll explore that during this. But can I take you back? How did you land up sitting where you are now? Did you always want to be a nurse? Um, I think growing up, I, I had always talked about wanting to do some sort of a caring role and I think nursing became the thing I wanted to do most. Um, I looked at lots of different roles within um, the health service and decided that nursing was where I was going to fit best and I think that was the best decision I'd made. So you don't ever regret it? No, definitely not, no. And have you always nursed? I have always nursed, yes. Yeah. So where did it begin? Where, where do you start becoming a nurse? Um, I, I didn't qualify until after I'd got married. So my husband, ironically, decided, Elaine keeps talking about being a nurse and being a nurse. I'm going to apply on her behalf. 
So the first I knew that I was going to go for an interview for nursing school was um, when the letter came in the post. That was the... That's Um, amazing! (laughs) Because he just, he he said, you've talked about it, you've got to do that. Um, So that's where I began. That's, uh, you know, sometimes it does take someone else, doesn't it? It it really does. If you dither... I'm a great dinner yeah. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> he just knew I wouldn't have the confidence to have said, I'm going to do that. Um, and, and before then, all I had really done was Saturday jobs and weekend jobs or seasonal jobs. So it was like my first proper job. Um, so when you'd finished nursing school, you didn't come straight to hospice care, did you? No, no. Um, I finished at Southampton University... Um, and I was living on the Isle of Wight, and just at the end of um, qualifying, um, my husband was offered a job down in Cornwall, so my first job was a Precepti up at Trillisk. Um, I a what? At Trillisk. A Precepti? Precepti, sorry. Um, that is a newly qualified nurse. You... Where, the, where does that word come from? Precepti? I'm not sure, it's been around for... It has been around for a while, nursing. I think it's just, it's just that kind of... You're almost over your probationary period, but actually you are just learning the, the trade. Yeah. It's a bit like your pee plates on your car. I it think, is, yeah. It? I was going to say, it's very like yeah. learning to drive. Okay. You, you, you pass your test and then you learn yeah. to drive. So you qualify and then you learn to be a nurse. And I think the first month or so, you hear this little voice inside you screaming every single shift. And it's just terrifying. And then after that, you kind of relax into it and think... No, no, this, this wasn't as terrifying as I first imagined. And, and, and we seem to be doing okay, so we'll just keep going. And, and I, think, I think most nurses would say that's their experience. I don't know about yourself, Gina. It's that whole, oh, I'm supposed to know something now. <laughs> and, and It usually and goes hand in hand with the keys, doesn't it? Big, it really does. Terrifying big, yeah. set of keys. Yeah. <laughs> you see, the re- the, I find this fascinating because I, I always knew the last thing I wanted to do was nurse. <clears throat> because, I, you know, I just, I don't know where you'd begin. And, you know, I've been in hospital as a patient and you just think, how are they dealing with all this? Just the thought of someone being sick actually makes me think, oh, I couldn't actually do that. Uh, but you, you sailed through that. You, that. you didn't give up at the first hurdle or the tenth hurdle. No, I, I think you, I think there's people that that just think I couldn't do that, and there's other people that that it doesn't. You don't worry about it, do you? You don't worry about what you're going to see and and what the day's going to be like. It's it's about those people that you're looking after, and I I guess you, as a nurse, you put yourself in their situation. I think how would I feel if that had just happened to me, and try and be as compassionate in that situation as you possibly can be. So if someone's vomited, they're going to feel very embarrassed about that. They don't need the person next to them to also feel sick. So no matter what you're feeling, that is put to one side and you are concentrating on that individual because it's their journey and their story and important to them that that nurse is able to manage. So from Trelisk to here or...? Yes, it was, yeah. I did um, two and a half years up at Trelisk and um, there was a vacancy here at St Julia's. Um, I had an interview and was told that very day that I'd been successful. Um, I had decided halfway through my training that my passion was palliative care. Um, So I was really, really delighted to be able to move towards palliative care 
so early on in in my career I thought I'd need to work a lot longer before that happened so it was it was again an off chance and again ironically it was my husband that noticed the advert in the paper so he's been there the whole way through yeah I think (laughs) think he's a keeper (laughs) where next (laughs) every time he picks the job page up whoa what are you looking at now And do you remember how you felt when you came here? Did you know much about hospices? And I had had the opportunity um, at the end of my training, you get to, or certainly, I don't know if it's changed a lot now, but you used to be able to choose your last placement. And it could, where we trained, anything, anywhere in the world was possible, so long as you could arrange it and you could fund it. Um, I chose the hospice on the Isle of Wight, and I did my final placement there, and it was amazing it was the sort of nursing that I knew I wanted to do because exactly like we've been saying you've got the time to be a nurse you you know you can spend the time and you can talk to a patient you can spend time talking to relatives if a member of staff is upset you've got time to talk to them as well you haven't constantly got that pressure of I've got this to do I've got that to do if I don't sort that out in a moment there's going to be a bed manager phoning me it's it's a different kind of nursing Um, so I guess in the back of my head I knew that hospices were very different places for nursing and that they were happy places because I know a lot of people have that fear as they walk into a hospice that it's going to be a depressing place And, and that was never the concept for me because of my previous experience so when I first walked through the doors at St Julia's obviously it was for my interview I was absolutely petrified but the next time I walked through the doors just as petrified on my first day after that every day got a little bit easier and now I walk through those doors and say right I'm ready for today let's see what today's going to bring I I find that humbling actually but having said that if you're a non-clinical member of staff uh, you do realise how happy a hospice is and whenever I say that to people they always give me a sideways glance yeah. and think yeah really um, but it, it is a happy place in the, in the most and vibrant it is I, I think often you know we still have patients that come in and they really are very unsure about what to expect aren't they Elaine I think um, that's it's true to stay still nowadays that there's a big big mystery about what hospice means and what it's like but actually as soon as patients come in and families come in through those doors that Elaine's um, so um, eloquently described actually it does change they relax and they are able to feel cared for and actually that's that's fantastic but it's just you know it's about getting the word out there that actually hospices aren't these kind of scary scary dim gloomy places with no laughter Actually, there's a lot. There's a lot of laughter and a lot of fun. And I've been sitting upstairs um, here this morning, and actually, I can quite honestly say, from half past seven when I came in, it's been echoing up up the corridor and up the stairs, and that, and that's lovely to hear. And has that been dented, changed in any way by the pandemic and having to do things in a different way? I think not having so many people around made the the building a very strange place, especially during lockdown. But we still found ways of creating that same peace, tranquility and happiness Um, because it felt important to everyone, including the staff, that we found some sort of normal in a very abnormal time. Um, So although for a while it, it felt different... 
I think we very quickly decided that we wanted to find a normal in that, and, and I think we did. So the, the, the way you approached a patient first coming in through those doors didn't really change. Other things might have changed around them, but the process, that's the pro- a awful word, <laughs> the, the journey for them would have been the same? The journey would have been the same. They would have met um, staff slightly differently because obviously we have to wear so much more PPE now than we did before. Um, so they, they're not met by smiling faces, they're met by smiling eyes, um, which is what we've all come to realise that we keep apologising to patients because we say, I'm sorry, you can't see, but I really am smiling. And all we hear back is, I can see your eyes are smiling. I can see the smile in your eyes. Um, so things changed, but I think our smiling eyes still welcome people into the building and I think that's twice as important Tamsin because actually everybody is being worried about what's been happening compounded with the fact that actually if you're at that stage and you're worried about a loved one then actually it's an, it's another worry and there's been lots of concerns about when people can visit um, but actually I think you know what Elaine's described is absolutely right I think it's about getting that welcome the same however you're dressed whether or not you're in a mask or whether you're in a gown or um, whether or not you're doing something that's a little bit a little bit different to what we would usually do, but actually it's about the welcome being the same and the reassurance. Just the word I was going to say, that the reassurance of life going on around you, which we may just have had on this recording because there's a very jolly volunteer outside the door <laughs> chatting to people, but um, it's that reassurance of, uh, of real-life sound. Um, do you see where I'm going with this? Um, I, I, I take great comfort sometimes in, in moments where I'm nervous of hearing other people going about their normal lives. And so, like, people shouting down the corridor or someone roaring with laughter just seems to me appropriate, even if you're sitting in a room with someone yeah. who's very, very poorly. And actually, people's lives don't stop because they're in the hospice. Actually, you know, it's still important to, you know, recognise what's happening outside. So whether that's, you know, the fact that you know, the, the kitchen can provide a strawberry tea because it's Wimbledon week or, you know, whether or not we, we do something with the, the odd couple of pumpkins because it's Halloween. It's about recognising what happens outside, isn't it? And, yes. bringing, and bringing that in because um, you, you can't cut people off totally. And I, I wrote a, a blog uh, a while back when my dad was really at the end of his life. There was a, a, a moment where I was sat with my cousin in with him and There was nothing to be said. It was a a desperately sad moment. But someone down the corridor started singing. And we both looked at each other and we roared with laughter. And it was exactly what was needed. It just broke that awful moment of what do we say to each other or to dad right now. And and it was brilliant. And um, she was singing, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, I think. And it was just, honestly, she couldn't have done it at at a better moment. And that's what I love about both our hospices, that normality is outside your And, your and you've room. remembered that, Tamsin, and, and that's what's a lovely memory for you and your cousin, and actually that's important. Yeah. You're listening to Two Old Chuffs, A Tale of Two Hospices, with me, Tamsin Thomas. And me, Gina Starnes. And our guest today is Elaine Potter, who is one of our senior nurses 
who is helping us explore the theme of Hospice Care Week for Cornwall Hospice Care, which is we have the time to. And in fact, with you, one of the things that we wanted to look at was having the time to care for each other. And this is born out of recently, we've had an extraordinary patient stay at one of our hospices called Terry. And Terry wrote to the local radio station saying, wow, you know, I I didn't know what a hospice was. I'm in one now. I'm at the end of my life. It's extraordinary. And I want you all to know that. And they interviewed me off the back of it. And one of the things they asked was, how do your nursing staff leave their work behind when they go home? And I said, well, it was about looking after each other and sort of waffled through anything any of you had ever said. And then I thought, I really need to ask Elaine, how do you leave what must be sometimes really difficult moments behind? A patient perhaps strikes you particularly or gets under your skin in some way. Um, You were right. We do look after each other. Few. And if we've had a particularly hard day or a particularly hard shift or even a particularly hard hour, we do go around and make sure that everybody's okay. Um, if people want to talk, there's, there's usually time to talk. If people say, oh, I can't right now, we leave that person until they want to talk and they need to talk. Um, at the end of a shift, I think we all have our own different ways of managing. Um, my way is, um, as I go through the doors to leave, I picture in my head bags with all my emotions from work in them and I just drop them by the door so that I'm ready to pick that up when I next come into work but I know that they'll be looked after, the patients will be looked after because there's more staff there now to look after them but in that time I don't have to worry about it, I've left that by the corner as I leave work. I think that's fabulous. What about you, Gina? Because you must have the same. Though you're in a management role, you are actively involved with the front line. Um, It's usually at the Penrice roundabout on my way home. And I think actually that's where I pick up before I come into work and where I drop off. I I don't stop or do anything radical. But it's just for me, it's just that mental place where you can think actually, okay. I'm, I'm away from work now and I need to be thinking about what's for tea or what we need to do or, you know, whether we're going shopping or haircut or anything like that. And then that's where I pick up in the morning and start to think, actually, yeah, OK, need to think about what I've got on today and, and work. But what if there is someone... Um, and I, it, when I'd had the privilege of talking to this patient, Terry, um, he, he really struck a chord with me... Um, well, he would do, you know, because he was telling this wonderful story. Um, there must be patients that come along that do get you. There are. Sometimes sometimes it reminds you of, of a family member or perhaps a bereavement that you've, you've had yourself. Or sometimes it's just something really silly that, you know, they'll maybe do something that your, your grand talked about that she used to do. And, and that kind of just resonates. You think, oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think for me, it's about actually you always want to do the best for that, for that family, because um, it's a, a, an often used Dame Sicily quote, but actually you only get the one chance, and I think that's why we're in the job, is that you, you can't do anything particularly about actually how somebody's got to where they are, but you can make sure that that end bit and that important bit um, leaves a, a, as good a memory for the family as you possibly can. That's what I would say, I think. I don't know, Elaine, if you've got any... 
anything different. But if you know, for me, it's just really important that we just remember that who we're there for. Does the normality of home help? I, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right, Gina. You you do get to that point where you, with a a patient that sort of snuck through, all of your professional barriers that you put up because you have to as a nurse you you can't feel every raw emotion um, but do, people do sneak through those um, you have to in your head know that you've done everything you can for that person that you've taken the time and you've you've made things as good as they possibly can be and once you get back home usually the business of life outside of work means that that although it's probably there somewhere in the back of your mind it it you have to carry on with everything else in your day because nobody else knows what you did at work that day and you just kind of fall into right now I'm in my home life I will carry on with what I need to carry on with so so if you did need to talk about someone that's something that you can do here with maybe a colleague or Absolutely, and and um, we're we're really fortunate to be able to have clinical supervision as well. That's a um, a chance to be able to talk with a colleague outside of the hospice here um, about anything that is still on our minds that we've kind of carried with us. It's an opportunity to have a counselling session, really, but but not a formal counselling session, and those can be really helpful, um, especially if you feel that you're you're still carrying a lot of work thoughts around with you but mostly I think we we all support each other here as colleagues. I think for, for me as well it's also quite important if if there is a patient like that or a family like that that does kind of um, get under your skin and you're maybe away for a couple of days and um, it's really important when you come back on shift to be able to check in has been for me and say actually well mm-hmm. you know actually how are they you know did, did they have a good death if that's the case or have they gone home and are they are they safe and settled so it's about it's about understanding the whole bit of that kind of episode of care really um, because I think actually otherwise you wonder don't you and I think you invest an awful lot often in patients um, and there's you can't help but there'd be a bit of you in that as well and so you have to protect that and I do wonder sometimes, um, I want to be careful how I say this, but it, do you sometimes carry an extra burden because of the way the families talk about you? Funnily enough, Terry described hospice nurses as my angels. Do you feel you have to live up to those lovely things that people say? Or does it add a burden because they're saying all these wonderful things because of what you're doing for the patient? I think... We just try to do the best we can for those people. Um, I don't necessarily think about how people perceive me as a a hospice nurse or as a nurse in general. I think most nurses feel uncomfortable with the praise that's offered um, and would rather shy away from it. Um, So I, I guess we have heard people refer to nurses as angels but most of us kind of shy away from the idea of that. Um, it's a really lovely, lovely description. I think we just carry on and do what we need to do every single shift and um, don't think about a, a particular burden of having to live up to an expectation. We just carry on nursing, carry on looking after people.
which is a, a wonderful sentiment, but it did, it did just strike me because you often hear the families uh, feeding back and using these extraordinary and lovely, as you say, terms. But uh, I, I, it would be sad if it became a burden. That, that. Sure. And the other thing is I find, and maybe from what I see from outside of it, is you're, you're a, a team, a hospice staff are a really strong team. I mean, if ever there was an example of that's how a team works... What, what's the secret there? Or is it because you're dealing with something that means you've got to be strong together? I think because you, you deal with a very high amount of emotion in the job, um, it does pull every member of that team much closer together. Um, it does feel a very family atmosphere a lot of the time. I don't know what your perception is as well, Gina, but um, yeah, we, we, it does feel like a really close team and we've always been... A very close team and even with changes in staff because changes in staffing is inevitable um, new members I feel are, are welcomed in and and either work within that team or feel that actually there's somewhere I'd rather work that isn't quite so high emotion um, so the people that I think stay and and are part of that team are very like-minded and and I think that that works well doesn't it uh, yeah, there is, we're definitely a very close team down here. I know it's quite similar up at Mount Edgecombe as well. They're a close, close team. I, I think it is. And I, I think it's, um, you know, when you think that actually with the staff that we have, you, you kind of have a different team on every shift that you, you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's great is that people know each other well enough to know um, often what, what people can manage at that time. They have those discussions about, well, actually today, I, you know, I can't manage to do this little bit or well, I'll do that for you. Or when we just heard examples of, you know, actually people go off sick, but actually people are very willing to cover and support each other in that way. And I think the other thing that I've found, you know, since kind of starting to work here is that actually there is the clinical team, but actually that slots really well into part of the bigger team. So actually there's real acknowledgement in the hospice um, that actually, you know, we need the shops to work, we need fundraising to work, they need the inpatient unit to work because it all interlinks with each other and so that is the big one team, isn't it, really, I think? Absolutely. So what then do you say to people outside of all of this when they say, what do you do? And what sort of reaction do you get? And I'm fascinated (laughs) to know because whenever I tell people what I do, they always oh, is it very sad? What do they say to you? (laughs) I mostly try and avoid saying I'm a nurse at all because people usually want to ask you all about their ailments, a bit like um, with doctors, isn't it? Oh, well, now you're here, can I just ask you about? Um, Certainly if we're on a holiday, I keep my head very low and hope nobody asks what my my career is. Um, But in all seriousness, when when people do ask what I do, I say say I'm a nurse. Um, If they start saying, oh, where do you work? Most people assume as a nurse that you work at Trellis because that's the, the main focal point. So um, I will often say, no, I, I, I work in the local hospice. Um, and again, it's all, oh, I couldn't do that job. That's really depressing. You, you must come home ever so depressed every day. And like you were saying earlier, Tamsin, people are always shocked when you go, actually, it's a really happy place to work. People are embracing whatever they have. They may not have a lot of time but the time that they've got is important time and they want to to live it happily not constantly thinking about what's going to happen so I, I constantly tell people 
what a lovely and happy place it is to work. And I do think we all have dual roles because I think we're all whatever we are within this charity and we're also an ambassador and we do sometimes, uh, I know you feel the same, sometimes have to take a moment to explain to people that it, yeah. how lovely it is. Yeah, I, I think so because it's, it's about getting the message out and that's the same for our um, professionals in Cornwall and you know the, the public and actually it's just really important and to hear it from people who are doing the job I think is huge really it's it's um it's much easier in a way than reading it either on you know you get how people feel on social media I think sometimes but I think it's also it's about having that conversation well I think Elaine and I've talked about this before because uh, uh you know as someone in the PR side of things I'm always saying to bring alive what we do I need to be able to invoke someone who's at that front line if you like um which I had, I did when we did the um, marathon, the virtual um, run back in when was it? May, June, April, 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 April May, was it? Yeah. God. Um, I wanted to be able to say, you know, we're doing this, and, and this is somebody who's actually on the front line. But it's also important. I've been in the queue in Tesco's before now, and forgotten I've got my lanyard on, and someone has started talking about the hospice. And you can't walk away from that, can you? No, no, you can't. Uh, and that's a, a privilege in part, but it's a strain in other parts. Would you change anything about your nursing career? No, I don't think I would, no. No, I'm, I'm really happy with how it is and how it's gone. I really enjoy working within palliative care. I think I, I found where I fit within nursing and I hope I can be here for many years to come. Being pestered by people like Gina and I to, to do <laughs> interviews, have your photo taken, <laughs> share your story. <laughs> My apologies. Is there something you'd like to achieve? Or oh, go on, say you'd like Gina's job. <laughs> music to my ears that's the whole point of being here isn't it is to encourage that succession planning but is there anything else you'd like to achieve or is, is this the, the panacea for you I think some people know exactly where their career is going to go and they plan every moment of it I think with my career I'm happy where I am and if something else comes along that would further that of course I'm going to be considering it but um, I'm I'm really happy in my role as a senior staff nurse. So if someone said to you, uh, the theme is we have the time to, just give me a brief insight to some of the things hospice care gives you the time to do. Sorry, I thought I'd ask a really <laughs> horrible question right at the end. <laughs> I think hospice care gives me the time to be alongside my colleagues, to support them, um, particularly newer colleagues to give them the time to grow in palliative care because there's it's a very different form of nursing isn't it Gina than than nursing in different fields and people need time to understand how a person changes in the last stages of their life with support from more senior colleagues to to be able to spot those careful changes and be there at the right moment, give the right medications at the right times to make sure that that patient is kept as comfortable as possible. I think being within the hospice gives me the time to be with my patients in a way that I never imagined when I started nursing I'd be able to. It sounds really, really simple, but 
there is great joy in just being able to sit and hold a person's hand in the last stages of their life. I, I felt very privileged even on Friday to be able to do that while we were waiting for some relatives to get halfway across Cornwall to be with their relative. I got the chance to just be able to sit there, hold her hand while she was sleeping, but she knew there was someone there with her. I think in every other aspect of my nursing career, I've not had that chance because you're normally so busy all of the time trying to do meds, trying to sort out beds, trying to discharge patients, trying to admit patients. But in that moment, the most important person to me was that lady whose hand I was able to hold. It has been a privilege and an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And what an insight into what we do. Thank you, Elaine, so much, because I know you're a very busy person. But just to be able to sit and listen to this will hopefully achieve our aim of opening the doors and giving people a, a better view of hospice care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to Two Old Chuffs, a tale of two hospices.